I, I, I don't know because again, I don't, I'm not a marketing guy because I really, really, really don't like marketing because I think it's dirty and grimy and it, it's all primarily these days about the seat manipulation. Yeah. Tell me how you um, really feel. You know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just state, you know, just the brief overview. I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go too into details about my opinion of that. So JT, something has uh, come across my desk several times recently. Uh, I have seen articles about the viral nature of GPL and these companies that seem very terrified by it. And we've talked about licenses before. We've talked about GPL specifically before. And we've come to certain conclusions about what is and is not legal on these licenses. And it seems like when you read articles of companies that are paying licenses for things they don't need to, and I just got to stop and wonder, like um, the companies that license MySQL from Oracle, why? Why do that? Why? Isn't that open source code? Is it not? I know that they, they did a dual licensing thing, but uh, it was originally released as open source. And what's to stop you from going over to Mariah, Maria DB, which is the same stinking thing. Why would you feel compelled to pay Oracle for licensing costs to MySQL? And we've talked about Oracle being. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say evil, but maybe evil is the right word. Uh, just, just taking every advantage. We'll say it that way. They take every advantage and they, they charge through the nose for everything. And there's these companies that are just afraid of open source products in general. So, you know, like, um, well, okay. a company. Uh, I, I think. No, no, I'm not going to interrupt. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. All right. So there's, it seems like there's this fear. Uh, if I am building software and I use an open source component, all of a sudden my expensive $50,000 software thing is no longer proprietary and I have to open source the whole thing. Well, yes and no. Depends on the thing you pick. You could very carefully use uh, the LGPL and a lot of libraries are licensed that way on purpose so that they could be linked against and still have some hope of being uh, closed source code. If you use an open source component, and I know that some projects immediately went to GPL v3 when it was released, deliberately to prevent closed source companies from using them, like Samba comes to mind. Uh, you don't have to link against Samba. You don't have to link against these things. You could use something else. But there are these companies that are so terrified of the thought that this hard work they've put in would suddenly become invalidated because they've used one open source component that they avoided, like the plague. I've run across people at conferences that are like openly hostile to Linux because they're so afraid that something may infect, that I've heard that infect, viral, these words, these heavily laden words that are very negative and, and very sharp, like Linux is out to get them or something. And I just, I don't understand this thinking. So I wanted to bring this up here and kind of explore it a little bit. Uh, it may be an extension of our licensing talk from before. So something like an appliance company. Uh, Linux is particularly good at building small embedded devices and it's free. So if you're trying to build an appliance cheap, building it to a price, it seems like building it on Linux would be a good idea. A lot of these IoT doodads that have been built in the last five years, a lot of them are underneath the underneath the skin. They're little Linux systems. System on a chip running Linux because it's cheap. Hardware is cheap. You could do a whole lot of things with it. It does not take a lot of effort to compile code that runs on Linux and accomplishes whatever complicated thing they want. 
And so underneath the skin, it's just Linux. So you got on one side, you got these companies that are terrified of Linux and open source stuff. And on the other side, you've got these companies that embrace it wholeheartedly because if they don't use something that's free like this, then they can't build their product to the right price point. I don't understand how there could be all these different people interpreting the same exact thing differently. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I wanted to open that up, uh, maybe uh, solicit some input from our listeners on this too after our discussion. I'm, I must be misunderstanding something. Help me, help me try to, let's, let's take the point of view of the companies who are afraid of GPL. What, what is it that terrifies them the most, do you think? Okay, so I, I think a, a better way to approach this is to actually expand out the matrix of options here and then go at them okay. one at a time. So we actually have kind of some kind okay. of structure. Um, you have, right, I like that. You have companies that. that are willing to use open source and companies that are not. So first you have those two categories. Okay. Um, now those two categories will have reasons why and why and against. So let's start with the companies who won't. Let's start there. Sure. On the reason companies won't. Okay. So for reason number one, you have Stockholm syndrome. And we, we talked about this with what? Oracle. Hmm. They, they yeah, have okay. been yeah, right. subject right. to Oracle for so long. That is the way we do business. So we're just going to stick with it because sticking with it is better than venturing out into the unknown because we don't know what that means, but we know what Oracle it's, means. It's who moved my cheese. If you've I, read that I book. have not. So that was a oh, reference wow. that went I, over I my thought, head. I thought just about everybody who's ever worked in any kind of company larger than say five people had read this book. It's a, it's a no. small book. Um, it's about uh, some mice in a maze. And every day they have to go find cheese to eat. And they run out of cheese in the spot that they know. They've gotten used to going to the same place to get cheese over and over and over again. And if they had been paying attention, they would notice that the cheese was dwindling and that they were going through it and eventually they would run out. But they were just like, they made uh, rituals of going to get the cheese from the same place every time. And then all of a sudden the cheese is gone and they are forced to find new cheese. One of It's, a, it's an allegory for Sometimes things change outside of your control and you have to go seek the, the new thing out to survive. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to make it, I think is, is the, the, the gist. And I imagine several or probably many of our listeners have read this book or been forced to by a boss somewhere or some kind of training. It's actually a good book. But it's the thinking is, I don't need to, sh to change away from this. Everybody else could be going and finding new cheese, but this cheese is just fine. It will always be here. I'm just going to keep paying whatever costs it is to just stick with this one vendor because it's always worked and it will always work for us. Well, it's, it it's like. the risk of the unknown. And yeah. Yeah. if you're a major company, you, your plan is to mitigate risk as much as possible. And something as pivotal and as crucial as what your application uses and is based upon is probably important to your bottom line. Mm -hmm. So ripping up the foundation and going with something new is extraordinarily risky. So mm -hmm. it's just easier to pay the bribe money. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's that. Then there's the CYA people, which are just like, I don't care. Oracle is a name that's known. So I'm going to agree to that because yes, I've heard of that company and I know they make a lot of money. Nobody got fired for buying Oracle kind of thing. I mean, I wish people would, but yeah, that kind I of imagine thing. someone has somewhere because it's um, so expensive. And it so buries the, your budget. The third group that I would identify is probably the more corporate lawyer type, and that is 
we need someone to blame. If something goes wrong, <laughs> I want a name and a face to point to and say, it's not our fault, it's their fault, blame them. Hmm. Okay. And This is the risk aversion thing again? Uh, I don't know. It's not risk aversion. It's literally, we want a scapegoat that if something goes wrong, we can blame. Okay. This is, all, I mean, I like Red Hat, as you know, but I know companies that use Red Hat specifically for that purpose. They have mm -hmm. their own sysadmins. They have their own, you know, network architects and, and all the people that can do all the stuff that they need. Mm -hmm. They pay Red Hat, so if shit hits the fan, they can pick up a call, and if things don't get fixed instantly, well, it's Red Hat's fault. Mm -hmm. okay. We have a support contract with Red Hat. Something went wrong, and they didn't fix it. So then, the people downstream from them, mm -hmm. when they're like, hey, why did your service go down? Why can't we use it? Hey, I'm sorry, man. Like, we mm -hmm. reached out, and we used our service contracts, and the people we pay to make sure this stays up wasn't able to do it. It's not our mm -hmm. fault. I mean, okay. there's a lot of risk blame. Yeah. It's SLAs, it's just, you, you sign up for an SLA, you, you make an equipment to a client, and you have to find ways to weasel out of it. It's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. That's, that's one, one avenue of that, but yes, one application of that. So Red Hat makes a killing on these companies. I think yeah, they, they really do. I, Red Hat doesn't mind this because it's, I'm sure, a bulk of their revenues because you don't need to pay for Linux. You don't. Mm -hmm. And people, I mean, Oracle loves it as well because people mm -hmm. just keep writing the checks. Oracle unbreakable, unbreakable Linux. Well, that's just rel with the different kernel patch set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very unbreakable. Yeah, <laughs> just like Java, which they I also think they, control. they stopped calling it unbreakable Linux. Yeah, uh, it's now just Oracle Linux. Well, that's probably wise because it just at, makes at people a more pissed off. I uh, I tried to troll one of the people at Oracle booths about <laughs> when it was called unbreakable Linux. <laughs> Because it was, like, right after Java had gotten hammered, like, three massive issues, like, month, yeah. and then the next month, and the next month, like, at that point, everyone was like, okay, maybe Java is just a bad idea, because they kept getting hammered. <laughs> so I went over and asked them, I was like, so talk to me about Unbreakable Linux, and they brought that up, and I was like, so does Unbreakable Linux work well with Java? And they're like, oh yeah, it works great, it's fantastic, it's, you know, and I'm like, so does Unbreakable Linux make Java not vulnerable? And they're like, well, we'll no, because that's different. They, they didn't, yeah, they didn't yeah, appreciate yeah. my, uh, my attempt at comment. A levity at their expense. Right, exactly. Ah, that's their fault. That's their thing. Um, so, to, to, to get back to the conversation, then there are yes. companies that will use Linux. Yes. Actually, I'm going to go there, but we're going to return to the companies that won't, because I think this is the, the crucial bit of the, uh, the conversation, but I yeah, want to address the other things that you brought up before we get into the meat. Okay. And that is, some companies will, because quite honestly, they don't care, they just want to ship a product, and this Linux thing is free, it's cheap, Great, let's do it. Go. Okay, so you that know, means if they're not careful, then their code, their product, their everything that they've invested effort. Because even even if you're working on the cheap, it's not zero dollars. You put effort, whether money or time or both, to make something. And if right. you're not careful, then you could get bit by the viral nature of GPL if you're dumb. Well, you know, no, because that is not a reality of how the viral nature of the GPL works. Yes, I and know. if they understand that then it's not an issue because they're just building something, an appliance, software, whatever, on top mm -hmm. of Linux. Yep. What's underneath doesn't matter. They just need something that works and is free and they don't have to pay for so they mm -hmm. can ship out their software package to try to make a lot of money. Yep. And in probably a fair amount of cases, they're not even concerned with where the chips may fall because they just want to make a splash and then have the company get purchased or acquired by a greater company and then mm -hmm. them cash out. Okay, that makes sense. So others just completely get it and they understand, well, why wouldn't I use this? This makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the other reason that 
companies don't is, as you mentioned, is there's this fear of the viral nature of the GPL, which, as we know, GPL is not Linux. Linux mm -hmm. is not the GPL. Those are two yep. different things. Linux is licensed with the GPL, but we'll Linux is not a GPL. Balmer didn't seem to recognize well, that. Well, no, because it, it's FUD that yeah. certain corporations, which produced closed source software, which I'm not going to name, put out there because they wanted to scare people away from the competition. Because It's a company if, that employed Steve Ballmer, just so we're clear. Well, I mean, I'm sure Steve Ballmer has worked at other companies, too. So. Oh, yeah. I, I just narrowed it down to one of a yeah. couple companies because, that it could you know, be. We're not going to identify because we don't want the legal team coming after us. Exactly. Yes. Um, we're small time. Mm -hmm. Don't don't hurt us. Yeah. I don't want to be sued by by that company. Now, if Oracle, opinion, wants to, Dominion. If Oracle wants to sue me for my opinions, bring it on, Oracle. Uh, bring it on. <laughs> um, I think the EFF would, would chip in for that. I'm sure everybody in the, in the open source community <laughs> would chip in for that. Uh, so anyway, Finally a battle. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so with with the FUD, you know, it, I think it really is or was at the end of the day, nothing more than a scare tactic to mm -hmm. prevent people from looking into Linux. And yep. if you repeat a lie enough times, people accept it as true. Mm, I hate that. And the other problem is the GPL is too much of a legal document. It's it's the way it's written is not easily understandable. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons I do tend to like an MIT license. Mm -hmm. I remember in I think it was maybe 2016. It could have been 2015. I don't remember uh, at Foscon in Philly. I was talking with Dan Langill. He was at the FreeBSD booth that was there and someone came over to ask about about BSD and they had mentioned that um, that they had, they had heard of the BSD license and that's why they were coming over because they were they were that's all they knew they didn't hear about FreeBSD they just knew about the BSD license and then Dan explained what FreeBSD was and he gave him a business card for the FreeBSD Foundation or for somebody in the FreeBSD community I forget mm -hmm. but on the back of it was printed the BSD license because yeah it would fit on the back of a business card <laughs> and the person stood there and they read it and then they kind of like chuckled to themselves. And Dan's like, what's what's funny? And the guy's like, oh, no, but like, I understand this. Like, I, I know what this means. <laughs> and the guy was like, I tried to read the GPL once and my eyes just got crossed. And Dan's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's a thing. I, I mean, to the to the Free Software Foundation's credit, they have written a plethora of words to simply explain the GPL. Mm -hmm. Yep. But the sad fact is that's not what's shipped with software. What's right. shipped with software is the legal license, which people license. open it up and they're like, wait, I have to scroll? Oh, oh, <laughs> that means I have to really read this. And as mm -hmm. we know from terms of service, no one reads them. No one reads them. That's so right. they they see they can read the GPL for themselves and figure it out. They can go to an attorney and be like, what does this mean? But instead, they just like, well, I've heard some bad things about this and it looks complicated. Mm. So it's probably just safer not to. Yeah. Hmm. It seems that that's that's too tidy. I know it's it's probably that simple. It just isn't easy to reach those companies because there are I don't know millions of appliances built on Linux, and none of them are okay. So some of them, like the Tivoization thing that that was in the, the early middle two thousands, that was a big deal. So there's I don't want to get into Tivoization. That's that's a whole wrinkle on GPL. Actually, it was the reason the GPL v three came out, as I recall. But uh, it just seems like there's this, the fear mongering and the misunderstanding. And there's so much information out here about these licenses. And there's 
over and over and over again. These experts in licensing, these they've they've gone on talk shows, they've gone on here, they've everywhere they can talk about it, they they trumpet it, they explain it. It's written in document after document after document. Still, somehow there's a foothold from these people that that are afraid of it. That uh, you know, the cover your ass folks or or they need someone to blame folks. They just I don't know how they continue in the face of overwhelming truth. It's, it's, it's like it's a religious document, you know? Uh, you could have the same, same uh, five different people read the same passage, religious text, and probably come up with five distinct interpretations. And that's not, I don't want to indict religious text, um, but it just seems like a lot of the time, religious texts leave much up to interpretation. GPL doesn't. It's actually quite well, explicit. It, it doesn't if you're a lawyer and you understand it. If you're not a lawyer, if you're not a lawyer and you read it, there's going to be some terms where you're like, well, does, how does this, how does this apply to me? Like linking and what, what, what is this? Like if you're a manager, you're not the actual developer. You're not going to understand the difference between compiling against or compiling with linking or, you know, taking a piece of code and using it inside yours. Like that's not going to be something you're going to conceptualize. Mm-hmm. So you're going to read it and you're going to go, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is this is not making clear sense to me. The other the other problem that you're going to have is and I want to I want to be careful how I phrase this. Mm-hmm. We all, well, I shouldn't say we all because some people are daft and don't realize it, but <laughs> the Sco <laughs> Unix lawsuit back in the day. Oh, that's where we completely were going. Completely yep. shifted a lot of things because there were a lot of companies mm-hmm. that had been you know, interested in Unix, that when that happened, they're like, oh, oh, we don't want to get wrapped up in this. Mm-hmm. This could be bad. AT&T, mm-hmm. actually, no, the SCO was with Linux. AT&T mm-hmm. was with Unix. Sorry, got yeah. those two mixed up. But, so back, I'm talking about the one with AT&T. So okay. there was, there was a, a cl- dark legal cloud hanging over the BSDs, over Unixes. What does this mean? And if you were a company at that time, eh, maybe we don't want to invest our platform into that. Mm-hmm. And this just happened to be right around the time that Linux was exploding. So all of a sudden, there's this upstart, which, hey, mm-hmm. this is similar, but it's different, and it's not being sued into the ground right now, so let's Yet. go with that. Yet. So that, the, the, the risk of potential lawsuit weighed heavily on a lot of corporate decisions at the time. Okay. I think the same applies now with the GPL, because there have been enough cases of lawsuits regarding fair use of different things i mean not just specifically gpl but you think of like the api thing between google and oracle Mm -hmm, Um, right oh gosh yeah yeah that was google and oracle as well there have been a lot of lawsuits against people who were abusing the gpl Mm -hmm. so if you're a company if you're a manager you don't really understand all the legalese you're looking at it and you're going, well, this could be good, but uh, I don't know. I don't really understand this. And I know people have gotten sued for getting this wrong. <sighs> I don't want to be the one to get this wrong and then be responsible for my company being sued. So now, like, I agree. Yeah. I agree that the GPL needs to be defended legally, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But there is the second order effect that by going after abusers, you are creating a, an environment where people are like, oh, so we might get sued if we use this GPL stuff, and that is a very, very hard thing to get around. And I think, Mm. unfortunately, the Free Software Foundation, the Software Conservancy, all of these groups 
have not done a very good job in PR and marketing explaining clearly why it's safe to use it, but also why these places are getting sued and differentiating it and making it very clear for businesses to understand the difference. I think there's a marketing lack there. And obviously marketing costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the reason why, or it's just people that have been in the space for so long, they don't look at it from an outside perspective. So they're not objective about it anymore. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I probably fall into that group right there. So it seems like, um, so I had an analogy earlier. It's like, uh, there's always studies about food's relationship to cancer or this or that, or there's, you know, there's the constant tug of war. Like, is, is red wine good for you? Is red wine bad for you? I, you know, all the time I see these. Now we have another article. Oh, a cup of day of coffee is good for your heart. Um, but more than that is bad. But it's not that simple. It, it'd be like, yeah, there's some research out there that says drinking coffee's good for you. But it's also there's a lot out there that says it's bad for you. So I think I just won't drink coffee because I, I can't know for sure. Well, I guess, but no. It's, the research is, um, okay, listen. You can make numbers dance and do almost anything you want. You can play with confidence intervals. You can play with uh, inputs. There's been a bunch of research in the last 10 years that, you know, there's a lot of research coming under scrutiny now for, well, we couldn't really replicate your results. And now it's more socially acceptable to go after a published paper that is uh, specious results, maybe. is a good way to put it. So we can take down some of these things. We can say, oh, this, this article or this, this scarlet paper decided that if you have five cups of coffee a day, you'll be just fine. You know, no, no effect to any of your body functions. Well, okay. What was your data set there? Uh, if you want to make a case for anything, you can make it. So if I'm someone who hates Linux or I hate GPL for whatever reason, I can go and make the case that there's a risk here. Look, they're suing people. And to someone else who doesn't know, or is just a decision maker, whose job is not to go into the minutia of GPL and understand it, is just to make a decision, an executive, effectively. Depending on, they, they have to work with the information that they're pitched. This is the same problem we have with um, government types and lobbyists. They, as, as a congressperson, do you really have time to know the ins and outs of every particular industry? No, you don't. So you have to rely upon people to give you information in a succinct way, which means you are vulnerable to someone who has an agenda, giving you information. That's all lobbyists are. They are providing information and opportunities to convey that information, and the information they're conveying has to be, I don't even know it has to be truthful, but uh, I, I don't know if there's laws regarding lobbyists and being truthful. There should be. There's not. They're just, whatever information, uh, you buy dinner with the congressman because the congressman's got to eat. So buy dinner for him. And then while you're there, you happen to pull out this paper that says, look, the GPL uh has this problem or can be this viral so we really need to start attacking the gpl at the you know federal level and start making it not legal because look at all the things that can damage your company and this is the same kind of thing you're vulnerable for someone with an axe to grind coming to you and saying this thing is dangerous this thing is terrible it's bad for you they're not going to go and look at what research has been published by the eff or they they're probably not even going to know the eff exists so there's a, a marketing problem that you alluded to earlier, but there's also a connection problem. But we need are like lobbyists with deep pockets, equally deep pockets to some of these other entities, trumpeting the GPO or trumpeting open source and its positives. Maybe not to government entities because they're they're kind of they're not in this 
they don't have a dog in this hunt, but to, to companies, I guess, how would you lobby companies that you can use Linux safely? How, was, is there any way to do that that doesn't sound corny or dumb? Like, well, how does that work? I, I, I don't know, because again, I don't, I'm not a marketing guy, because yeah. I mm, really, either. really, really don't like marketing, because I think it's dirty and grimy, and it, it's all primarily these days about deceit and manipulation. Yeah. Tell me how you um, really feel. You know, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just state, you know, just the brief overview. I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go too into details about my opinions of that. Uh, because like, okay, so you were bringing up, you can play with the numbers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is true. Anybody who's taken any decent statistics courses and mm -hmm. gone far enough realize you can manipulate the numbers kind of however you want to get the, mm -hmm. the direction you want. But the thing is, it's not just playing with numbers. It's about how you frame the entire discussion. Um, okay. There was a article, it was like last year or something that I read, and to be clear, we're, we're not getting into the social dynamics of this issue, we're just looking at it from the statistics perspective and the way that it, this was marketed, but it was talking about how um, the homeless rate in America for women was 30%, and how that was a travesty. Now, I agree, homelessness is horrible, but they're focusing on 30% being horrible, what about the other 70%? Like, isn't it just as horrible for them? Because the situation you're discussing, mm. homelessness, is horrible for everyone. Uh-huh. I would say so. But by framing the discussion a certain way, you can really manipulate the way the, the data is perceived. Mm. Okay. Because in that, in that example, and in that article, they did not list anything, they did not say a single thing about men. It was just on the fact that 30% are women. Now, if it was an article that was highlighting the difference in struggles that a homeless woman faces versus a homeless man, okay, that would have made sense because mm -hmm. that's what the the point of the article was. Right. That was not where this article was going. Mm. And like that kind of stuff I find really grimy. And the like to to follow that up is in my county where I live, the homeless rate of women is a whole lot higher. The homeless rate really? of women in, in my county is 88% as a matter of fact. What? Whoa. And, well, hold on. First, we have to bring up numbers. The okay, number okay. of homeless women in my county is eight. So, <laughs> like... Okay. We have, to, we, have right. to, we have to caveat that. Put it in perspective but, here. Yes. So, but again, yeah, it's important to put that into perspective because 88% of, I guess it's 11 people, is not really the same thing as 88% of 10,000. And... When you actually dig into it, the reason why it's primarily 88% are women is because, well, we actually have a women's homeless shelter in the county. Well, we what? don't have okay. a men's homeless shelter. So, you you know, you know how cold it's, it gets here. I've talked yes. to you about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're Thanks a guy... I've never experienced it, and yeah, I never you, experienced it. If you're a guy living in my county and you're homeless, you don't want to live in this county because you're going to freeze to death. You're going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Okay, but that makes sense. if you have a place to go, well, then you don't need to leave and go somewhere else. So, like, mm. because of that, the numbers get skewed. Now, that's not to say that those eight women aren't in a horrible situation and need to be in a better situation, because obviously mm. they do. They do. But it gives an explanation for why the numbers are what they are. Okay. Because if you just take data without even manipulating it, but frame it in a certain way, you can give people the perspective that is completely wrong. Even though you haven't said anything that's wrong. True. You've told so the you truth. Can, you can speak truth the entire time, and the truths that you speak tell the story that you actually want, because 
it's truth. Uh, we could get into whether it's whole truth or not. Is it the whole truth to say that 30% of women, 30% uh, of homeless people are women? Well, if that's the fact, if that's all you're saying, then yes, that is the truth. But you're framing that truth in a way so that the person who reads it walks away with a different perspective than all of the details. Mm -hmm. You're framing the argument down to very narrow things. For instance, in my county, if they were to say the homeless rate for women is 88 percent. Well, people are going to think that's that's horrible. And again, homelessness is horrible. So, wait, wait, but hang on a second. I, I have a question, though. The homeless rate for women is 88 percent. To me, that sounds like 88 percent of women are homeless. No. OK, so it has to the do homeless. It has to do with the, women. The, okay. the, the sex dynamic okay. of the homeless people, because there are X number of homeless people. 88% of those are women. Okay. Again, the reason why that is, mm -hmm. is because there is a women's homeless shelter that those homeless women can go to and live in and they can get fed, they can get, they have room and board. So they've got that. They're taken care of mm -hmm. in the small way that they are. Whereas a homeless man in my county is, again, probably going to freeze to death in the winter. So he's going to go somewhere else. So because of that, the data skews massively towards the people who are homeless being females. Mm -hmm. So you can caveat that, but depending on, or sorry, you can state that factual truth of the, the, the rate of women that are homeless mm -hmm. or rate of homeless that are women. You can tell people absolute verifiable truths, but your framing can lead them to believe something that is absolutely false. Is that what this article you're thinking of or citing and what it was trying to do? So the, the original one that I was thinking of, no, I don't think that's what their plan was. I think they were trying to write a kind of like women have it the worst of everybody. I think it was one of those type of articles that they were going okay. for okay. without just blatantly putting that out there. Okay. The, the county stuff was not my county stuff was not in that article. I bring up that county stuff because it's okay. an example of you can take a fact, which is true, tell someone a truth, but no, they're going to walk away believing something that's not true because of the way that you frame it. And that's marketing. Just that's kind of marketing yeah. 101. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe that's a bad analogy to draw there, but it seems like uh so you take a position and then you make the numbers dance and point the, the context or 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 whatever it is, you make a point leading a reader or a watcher to conclude what you want them to conclude. And that's politics, that's marketing, that well marketing is politics these days. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know that you can really discern between the two anymore. And we do that, if this is what happens, can we do that, but positive for Linux? Does that happen? I would have to guess yes. I mean, it could happen. There's no reason why it couldn't. The question is, who's going to do it? it seems who's like, got uh, the like pockets if, to do it? If EFF is going is to have a conversation, it seems like they're going to be on the level about it. They're going to here's an earnest discussion about the GPL, what it does and what it doesn't do, what it means, how it applies to your daily life, what effect it has in you, a, a corporation who's thinking about using it. They're going to be pretty stand up, stand up, it seems like. It's like they're taking the honest approach. Here's the numbers. We believe that the numbers speak for themselves, saying that Linux is overwhelmingly positive and you should use it. But that's not how a position paper that leads someone in the opposite direction works. So if, if you want my, my honest gut reaction of how you would actually affect this change mm -hmm. and get this out there is you need a massive media outlet to get an agenda and push it because okay. the fact is the EFF does great work, but yeah. they, they are not a marketing wing. They are a legal organization that does explain things 
But why do people find some writing by the EFF? Well, because it's in the news, because they read it on another site, because Arch Technical links to them. That's how they read it. And I think that is what it would take, is you would need some large media entity to this, somebody at one of those entities to decide this is an axe and I'm going to grind on it because I want to make a point. And mm. we have seen how this re how this works. Um, harkening back to a few years ago, Bloomberg effectively nuked Supermicro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that. they were delisted from the NASDAQ. Like, yeah. that happened because one media outlet decided we're going to push this button and we're going to keep pushing this button. This happened again recently with Pornhub, where one outlet decided I'm going to make this an issue and I'm going to make it front page news on every website that because Pornhub doesn't actually do ID verification of everybody who's uploading stuff, that they're probably distributing child porn. And at oh, that point, about this. Mm. oh yeah, that's why they did the whole, if you're not in our partner program, your data's gone. That's why oh. they wiped away like 70% or something of their, of their data that was on their site mm. was because there was no way they could go back and check it all. And it was so egregious that they had to be seen of absolutely not. We want nothing to do with it. Delete everything. Who was the uh, axe grinder in this, in this Oh, instance? I forget off the top of my head. Was, um, it, was this recent? Yeah, this was, well, I mean, within the last six months. Okay. Really, I will, really bad if I time can, to grind an axe with Pornhub because there's a lot of people trapped in their homes because of COVID and they get bored. Bad time. Bad you, you'd have to read the article because the, the person goes into it. Um, and okay. I will see if I can pull it up and throw it in the show notes. But yeah, the, the reason that happened, I mean, Pornhub is one of the biggest websites for traffic in the world. <laughs> yeah. And one guy at a media outlet almost took them off the map completely Gosh. with one accusation. Gosh. So. Now, obviously, that's an atrocious accusation. They were doing all the weird things, like they were replacing, they were fixing roads and and all this kind of stuff. I think there's like I, I saw these memes from like Pornhub. Yeah, so they were like going into a community that had terrible roads and deciding that we were going to patch the holes in this road. You know, I have, what, I have no idea. I didn't what hear the heck about does that. this have to do with porn? Nothing. But you know, Pornhub was like, well, we want to support communities, so we're going to support this. And there was like confused applause. Like, thank you. We think yes. Thank you. That's good. Uh, why? Well, because it needs to be done. Oh, okay, I guess. So I'm wondering if this is all roughly the same. Like, I don't know. This countering was, I, the negative with a yeah, positive. Just, like, look, we fix your roads. I just pulled it up. This was December of 2020. Okay, so that no, I'm thinking of earlier than that. There was okay. also like they were getting involved in sexual education, which they're actually quite well suited for. Uh, that's actually a, a good application of Pornhub, frankly. Uh, they were trying to put a positive spin because they're they're so popular now. Um, they're in the mainstream news. Pornhub. It's impossible mm -hmm. to avoid what it is they do. So and they're not trying to hide it. They're just like, yeah, we have porn. People like yeah, to come and look the, at our uh, stuff. So, huh. what's, what's the big deal? Yeah, so it was uh, an investigation that some journalist did. They contacted Visa and MasterCard, talked to Visa and MasterCard, and basically said, this is the kind of stuff that's on Pornhub. Uh, oh. You guys are their payment processor. So you guys are totally cool with uh, with, with, with this kind of stuff? And Visa Ooh. and MasterCard were like, uh, no, we're going to address that. So Visa and MasterCard contacted Pornhub and basically said, yeah, we're we're cutting access to you, which is you Ooh. have no money now. It's that's, done. That's the death, the death penalty. Yeah. So Pornhub was like, OK, yeah, we're going to react real quick. Mm -hmm. And they deleted everything which wasn't part of their partner program where they had verified IDs and on all hmm. that stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it, now obviously that is completely 
a different situation, like yes, on yes, order yes, of yes. magnitude. But mm -hmm. that and the Bloomberg sh article on Supermicro show that that's what it takes. It takes a media outlet making this national news for there to be any movement, really. Hmm. So then, how, let's 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 pretend. Let's let's make a fable here. How then, if we do find the media outlet that's willing to do this? I don't know. Um, not Fox News. I think they're too busy grinding other axes. Uh, pick an outlet, something. Bloomberg. Okay, Bloomberg just decided. Bloomberg Business has decided that the cause of Linux is worth supporting. What is the attack? What is what is the way you go after the anti-Linux points of view? How how do you how do you contain? It's very easy to understand. Pornhub has content that could be in violation of uh, both moral and legal guidelines. Mm -hmm. Not guidelines. Guidelines is the wrong word to use. Legal statutes and moral guidelines. We know there's lots of content that's against some moral guidelines, but for it to be illegal, that's a whole different story. That's that's an easy sell. That's that's easy for the average person to understand. You, you hear the words porn and illegal, and right there, you know exactly what the conversation is going to be about. How do you? What are the two words you say to do the same thing, but for a positive Linux spin? Linux and what? So if if I were to write the article, the direction that I would take is to point out that there are businesses out there who are attacking the image of Linux and open source and GPL because they want to harm open or they want to harm other businesses who are trying to innovate and then are competition. Mm. Okay. And basically bring up the, this is literally an attack on the free market and that they are trying to harm competition by attacking something that other businesses can use to be able to out innovate them. That's because good. effectively like that. that's that's what yeah. Linux does. It is a it is a tool which allows you to innovate at light speed. Mm -hmm. And if you can remove that from someone's tool chain, so then they are tied into okay, we have to use Microsoft or we you know Windows, we have to use Apple Macintosh or, or whatever the software, the OS is what I'm talking about. If you can force companies that want to innovate to have to do it on one of your two platforms, well then they get to cash in by everyone else. Okay. And yeah. Linux BSDs, whatever, allowing other companies to set, to use their stuff and innovate and outcompete the big boys. Well, obviously the big boys, like the company we're not going to mention, <laughs> they don't want that. Too late. And yeah, and that well, that's what I think this is. Is it's, it, or I should say, that's how I think you would have to approach it is to okay. show malfeasance on the part of the companies who are continually pushing the agenda that. The GPL and Linux is harmful. I'm wondering if you could go as farther than that and you could actually make a tortious interference case because it seems like when Microsoft puts out this FUD, sorry, we weren't supposed to mention this company. When a company puts out this FUD, <laughs> oops, oh well, uh, when a company puts out this FUD and they're trying to drive people into their ecosystem and out of the free and open source ecosystem, that seems like you're deliberately causing, you're deliberately interfering with Linux. And just because Linux is free doesn't mean it's it's a monetary value that you would apply to damage to Linux. It would be unquantifiable, but small. It's not like I can say Linux is losing $10 million in revenue every year because this other company dabbled and said these things. Not only that, it's libelous, first of all, but um, you can't put a dollar figure on the damage being done to Linux and the open source community because of these things. It's easy to see. And no, oh, that stings. Oh, that's going to be read. 
this article in Newsweek on the front page is literally slamming Linux. Okay. You the, know the people are going to read that. Right. But the key thing is about, I mean, tortious interference is a very, very particular term, which has very particular meaning. Okay. And in order to be a plaintiff to then bring that suit against someone else, you have to be able to prove economic harm. And mm -hmm it's really hard to say, oh, well, just media campaigns, they said nasty things about us. Like, that doesn't really fall into that. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's not going to work then. And I mean, the, it. technically, it, even if that could work, the only person, any group that could bring that forward would be the Linux Foundation. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, the Linux Foundation is also gets a lot of money from a company which shall not be named. Right, yes, yes. Um, I'm right. not naming it. You did. So that company, if you want to sue somebody, uh, I can give you Jeff's address for the right price. <laughs> oh, thank you for um, selling me up the river. Appreciate that. Buddy. Hey, don't, hey, if I make enough money from them, but then... You, you know, actually we'll did mention the name earlier, too. We'll, we'll I was talking about a software product. Okay, okay. All right. I well, was not talking about the company. I was talking about a software product. Oh, okay, fine. Sure. Split those hairs if you I, need. I am, I am. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if, if they write me a big <laughs> enough check and I can split it with you, um, hey, you know. I'm, I'm sure you would be okay with that. <laughs> right. So, having sold me upriver, uh, you can't... Okay, so no tortious interference. Actually, wouldn't it be sold downriver? Because upriver is not a problem, because you can just float your ass back down. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> like, that's why I never understood the old saying, up a creek without a paddle. Like, if you're up a creek, just, just float. float. You're going to end up back down the creek. It's not a problem. You don't even need a paddle. The current will take you there. That's true. No effort. I don't, or little I don't, effort. Uh, yeah. Never mind that there's rocks and things again bash you to pieces, but uh, well, you know. you'll, you'll get some parts of you will get back to It depends again. on how rough the river is. If it's a nice calm river, you're fine. Sure. Yeah, if it's Colorado, then you might not be fine. But, uh, yeah. you know, depends on the river. <laughs> okay. You're right. So, having sold me downriver and stolen my paddle, mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. Now that we've, we've ascertained the right direction for me to be going, that would be harmful. Linux... Uh, it's really trying to gather my thoughts now, and it's totally gone. Thank you for that. Uh, Linux can't demonstrate material harm, I think. It's the movement... economic harm, I believe, okay. is what you have to show. Okay, economic harm. So, could we demonstrate material harm? Seems like we could. Because there's a lot of people that would... That maybe... How, how do you prove a situation that doesn't happen, but could have happened given different situations? It's kind of like, okay, okay. I'm driving well, with, to work. If with, I choose to go one direction, because I think there's going to be cops in another direction that I never actually witnessed with those cops? How do I know if I was right to go direction B as opposed to direction A? The key thing about torts is you have to show actual harm. Okay. Potential harm does not count. If you bring a case, this happens all the time with um, suits against the government for possible civil rights uh, violations. Mm -hmm. Your rights have to be violated before you can sue. You cannot sue on a constitutional violation without your rights being uh, restricted. So just because they may be restricted by something isn't good enough. It mm -hmm. actually has to happen. So okay. risk isn't good enough. You have mm -hmm. to show damage. Okay. That's unfortunate, but understandable. And that, I think that's appropriate um, because otherwise it'd be even more specious lawsuits than we have now in the United States. Yeah, because there's no way anyone can cover, well, something might happen. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. In most other countries in the world, they would not even... The lawyer who decided to submit a suit based on that would be censured immediately. Like, are you nuts? This is so dumb. We don't, we don't have this in our courts. Don't do this. In fact, we're not going to let you do this anymore. You can't submit some suits to our court for the next three years or whatever, whatever censure it is. Uh, but in the United States, I think we give the benefit of the doubt. We, you know, justice will win out if we give it enough time and enough effort. So even if it seems ridiculous now, 
we need to give her the benefit of the doubt and see what happens. But that is still a bridge too far, I think, for uh, for the legal system. I don't think I think you're right in saying that it's not the legal system where this um, propaganda attack should happen. That's not the right forum for it. Correct. You correctly cited the the media element here because you don't. There is truth in advertising. And you can't say things that are demonstrably false, such that they would cause uh, well libel and slander. Um, but as long as you meet those requirements, like you position things as an opinion, which is what we do all the time, then you could say mostly it is my opinion that Linux is. Um, I actually don't. I don't know. I, I, I struggle to even come up with the thoughts because it just it seems so foreign to me. But um, I think it's going to have to be a media blitz. So we need to locate a media company that's willing to take on this cause and somehow incentivize them to do it. Gotta be a way to do that, because this is a thing I think really needs to happen. It really disgusts me to see a company that they're so afraid to use Linux. They're so afraid to use open source. Mm-hmm. Now, I've made it my business to work in Linux. I, I, I have actively uh, stopped pursuing jobs because they said I would be working more on Windows than Linux. I'm like, uh, no, don't want that. Uh, I have focused on Linux. It's where I live, what I do. It's what I love. I don't want to be doing Windows administration. I've walked away from jobs because of that. So. I choose personally to use Linux. I can't go to a company and say, hey, you must choose Linux, but I can properly incentivize them. I can go to a company who's hostile to it and say, and be the evangelist behind the scenes and be like, no, look, seriously, it's not that bad. You're misunderstanding things. We can do this cheaply. We can do this. Look, I have all the background in this. I can do all the, watch, let me show you. And I'll show you the legal. I can do this. So I guess you got the media blitz up top, and then you've got the individual advocacy from employees and, and the Linux enthusiasts doing their part from down below. And between the two, you trap the managers and the decision makers in the middle, and they're left with nowhere to go to except to conclude that Linux is not the viral onslaught we're concerned about, that it actually can be helpful to us. And I think once you demonstrate that, you break those, those risks. Because it's one of those things, even if the risk is super, super small, the risk that if I make the wrong move with open source or with this license, I could lose everything. That's too big of a possible fa- you know, downfall for me not to ignore that risk. Even if there's a 0.0005% chance of it happening, that destroys our company utterly. Or it destroys that, destroys that part of the client. We can't have that. Uh, you know, the, 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 um, the costs outweigh so heavily. So we just have to steer clear of it. Uh, I think it's just going to take it's, we, we need to find a media company, and each of us listening and all of us that, that are Linux enthusiasts and advocates need to be advocating where we can or using Linux when we can. And maybe we got to over, go overboard a little bit, but wherever you can use Linux at work, do so. Plug it in. Use it. Deploy services on Linux. Deploy open source where you can. Show that it's worth it. Show that it's valuable. And turn this narrative around, especially if you're to work at a company that's hostile or has hostile elements. Well, we're not saying, like, get fired because you won't shut up about Linux, but uh, just advocate where you can. And we'll see if we can harass some media company into doing the, the upper part. We'll find yeah. somebody. Yeah, Someone's so gonna want to do I, it. Will, I will link in the show notes uh, an interview I did with uh, Charlie Reisinger, uh, who's the uh, director of IT at Penn Manor Schools. And he sold the school district on doing a one-to-one Linux laptop program by, as he says, small victories. So they started with some open source software for doing one thing. And then the next time they had something they had to deploy, he was like, well, hey, why don't we try this other thing that's open source? And over time and over repeated showing that open source software was good and beneficial, he was able to build 
goodwill. And then, so when it came to the one-to-one -one program, it was not a hard sell to say, okay, yeah, we're going to do laptops for every student. Let's make them Linux. Mm -hmm. That was just the next, log next logical step. Um, so I will put that uh, episode of uh, Open Source Voices in the show notes um, for anyone to check out. Charlie is that an amazing great. guy. He's a fantastic cool. guy. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that comes up, though, that is important to touch on is open source. When people hear open source, you and I, we know all the different things that that means. The problem is, is there are so many open source licenses that sometimes people will hear bad things about one license and then they just assume, oh, well, I guess I guess the other ones are that way, too. Mm, you know, yeah. there's the recent news about uh, Elasticsearch changing their license and mm -hmm. it has not been received very well yes um, and this is not the first time that this has happened where something has been relicensed and then people get pissed off and again if you're a management at a company you don't understand all the details you just go well there's this open source thing that other people were using and then another company who was like sponsoring it or whatever they were able to change the license and then that screwed the people that were using it so if i use this for open source stuff am, am i gonna get my company gonna get screwed because mm -hmm. somebody changes something down the road like there's a lot of confusion that then leads to, well, I've just heard that this is dangerous and this is bad, so I'm not going to use it. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's not something that just a media campaign is going to be able to handle. I, I think agree. that is, again, individual ag ad advocacy of people clearly explaining what the GPL is, Linux... Mm -hmm. And why some of these other licenses that come up are not worth your time to consider because we're mm -hmm. never going to use them, which actually, interestingly enough, ties into another license which came up last month. Well, at this point, it's going to be two months ago, which I wanted to just touch on because there was someone in uh, in our Matrix channel that, that mentioned it. Uh, we, oh, okay. Jeff, had recorded on January 17th our uh, Terms of Service episode. Now we mm -hmm. record ahead, so it's it's just come out. Or well, at this point, obviously it's out because we recorded it before this episode. Right? Yes, yes. But yes. it it did Time not travel. come out. We yeah, have it. It. Did, it did not come out on the seventeenth. <laughs> we recorded it on the seventeenth, but it did not come out on the seventeenth. Well, mm -hmm. two days later, a license came out that directly related to something we talked about because I had said, "Are we going to deal with licenses having like moral clauses? Mm -hmm. Is that going to be something we're going to have to deal with?" And, and you responded with. Probably, yeah, it's going to come up and we're going to have to deal with it. Well, two days later, you were proven right. <laughs> For once. On, on I'm January, I'm glory in this. Yeah, you don't want to be happy about that, though. So oh, on yeah. January 19th, the Hippocratic license was released. Ooh. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. Uh, if, if people are really, really interested, we can, we can maybe touch on it more. I will throw some links in the show notes about it. Mm -hmm. Basically, it is a license that creates a restriction on use of the software, and the way it's written is that you cannot use the license in a way that is a violation of the UN Declaration of Human Rights and Principles. Mm. Now, okay. I get why, at first thought, that's like, oh, well, that sounds like a good idea. Human rights? I think we can mostly agree with that. Yeah. The problem I see with this, and why I will never use this, is because that means you are effectively handing over what people can and can't do with your software to a government body. Mm -hmm. More 
to the point, a non-elected government body. Yes. And that is something I am strongly against. If, if you write a piece of software, you license it the way you want it to be used. If you don't want your code to be used in some way, that's fine. You can then write that in as a restriction on your software. Mm -hmm. I think it's very dangerous to hand over the conditions to a government body on how other people can use your stuff. I would agree with that. Yeah. And specifically for this one, I mean, it, hold on, let me, let me read it real quick. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, Geneva, Switzerland, the creator of the Hippocratic License. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's not it. Um, the licensee is, is advised to consult the Articles of the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights and United Nations Global Compact that recognize principles of international human rights. Um, the licensee shall use the software in a manner conducted with human rights principles. Again, good in theory, but mm. let us let us consider for a second what Freedom Zero says. The freedom to run the program as you wish for any purpose. Those two things are not compatible. No, if you not. are restricting people, then you've stripped away Freedom Zero, and it's zero for a reason. So, for mm. me... Yeah, it's going to be a hard pass. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would stay away from it too, frankly. That's unfortunate. Ah, well, okay, well, we said it was coming. We said it was, and you know, we're seeing more codes of conduct and all that. I don't, I don't really want to go into any of that. So uh, I think we, we've run a little bit long on the top, topic, longer than I expected. I kind of want to hear what listeners have to say in response to a lot of this. I'm sure that there's other ideas that we didn't touch on. I uh, would like to hear maybe examples of whether you've been able to advocate for Linux in your work as examples of what we could do better and anybody has an idea what media outlet we can con into doing this not con convince convince weedle cajole whatever pick a word convince them to take up this cause because uh, we do need that pressure from up top to, to get visibility into some because who's going to listen to the the guys in the trenches that are making stuff that have the decision makers tended to listen to this guys in the trenches before probably not and they're not about to do it now on linux either so you're gonna have both sides but I would love to hear from our listeners, and we have uh, ways to contact us in the show notes. Uh, you can email JT or the show. You have uh, the Matrix channel. You have the Telegram channel. All that is in there. And uh, we would love to hear what you have to say. So reach out to us and let us know. Uh, any closing thoughts, JT? Uh, nope. Other than to uh, remember to be excellent to each other. <laughs> <laughs>